Hello, my friends. Hello, my life warriors, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the Day In, Day Out podcast. Woo! Today on the podcast, episode 288, I'm very lucky, privileged to have uh, Bill Schiffenheimer. Uh, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. He is... Close enough. Okay, close enough. I'm going to go with that. <laughs> he is a three-time Olympian. He has won Olympic silver. He has also broken a record of 47, like 46 years, where the like US Olympic team did not win a bobsleigh event. And he is a legacy coach and pro speaker. How are you today, Bill? Oh my gosh, brother. I am doing so absolutely amazing and super blessed just to be in this space right here and right now. Yeah, like this is the thing. Before we started this podcast, like my friends, like my life warriors out there, Bill was telling me he is a person who does not like the cold. Look, I was basically telling him about how like how cold it was in the UK and like, yes, how we have it the worst of anywhere in the world when like cold weather conditions. <laughs> Siberia, forget, <laughs> UK the worst. But he was telling me, he does not like the cold, being a three-time Olympian, Olympic silver medalist. Like, yeah, training on in the cold. How on earth does that come to be? You know, I, it's honestly, growing up, I, I, I never did anything in the winters. So I never skied. I don't snowmobile. I don't um, wake snowboard or any of that stuff. And I just enjoyed being warm, but obviously I live in Utah where we have multiple seasons and the cold weather is part of that. But when, when you, when you take part of your life and that's your job to get in a pair of spandex, no matter how cold it is and push a bobsled down the mountain, eventually I, I just got tired of the snow. And, and uh, recently I, I took a vacation to Hawaii and I was like, I could have 80 degrees every single day. Yeah, but you know what? This is the thing. Look, don't get me wrong. Like, don't I do love a summer's day. I do love having that sun beat down on me and go, yes, this is fantastic. But I've come, like, born and raised in the UK. If you don't have four seasons, doesn't feel right to me because come on now you don't appreciate the summer sun you do not appreciate that like the snow of winter you like you kind of like go yeah this is my constant oh it'll ruin me it ruin me i tell you <laughs> yeah no i i don't get me wrong i think when it snows it's absolutely beautiful i can look out my window right here and i've got the big mountain range covered in snow it's it's when I go outside and it's freezing cold. Like <laughs> I, I, I'm just good now. Like I've done my due diligence and my duties in the cold weather, and I, I just want to go where it's warm and hang out on the beach. Uh, look, come on now. Like this is the thing: shoveling a driveway. Mm, you must love that on occasions. No, nope. no. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I I hear you. I hear you. But you know what? This is the thing. You. Uh, how can I put it? You have had uh, a charmed life, uh, one which has been paved quite easily. Like yes, wandering, like wandering from a, a idyllic, perfect childhood to like uh, being an Olympian with no troubles or 
issues whatsoever. Would I be right in saying that? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Life has been easy, man. Uh, like, <laughs> no worries, right? You know, uh, going from an amazing, easy childhood of homelessness and drug-addicted parents and gangs in foster homes. That's normal. Isn't that normal? Is that what everyone does? Well, like, well, like, you know what? Yes, in every sort of Hallmark movie where someone has to <laughs> overtake <laughs> adversity uh, to, like, step up to the plate of greatness. Like, with regards to you growing up, like, yeah, your homelessness, drug-addicted parents, and, yeah, going into the system, those are, like, those are some lofty obstacles to overcome, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I'm super blessed and fortunate that I did have that opportunity to experience that as a youth. Um, at a young age, I realized that I was just meant for something greater than just being another statistic of the system. And, you know, when I, when I realized that, I didn't know exactly what it was I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to do more than, oh, yeah, he's just another number. And so when, when I got involved with sports at a young age, seventh grade, I, I utilized a negative background getting in trouble, running from the cops as a positive tool to focus that energy somewhere else. And, and, and athletics obviously was first because, yeah, I was running from cops all the time and jumping fences. So my athletic talents transferred very well into the world of athletics and American football. So, um, yeah, when I had that opportunity, it, it was just such an amazing feeling to go from you know, that street life of always in trouble with the law, no food to eat, no friends, um, none of these basic things that most kids have growing up. And then when I got involved with athletics and, and you know, get introduced to the camaraderie of sport, the discipline of sport, the goal setting of sport, the accountability, the authenticity of being a true athlete and a student. Um, I just really loved that, and 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 I was really addicted and drawn to what that world brought. And uh, once I got a taste of that, I just wasn't going to turn back. I hear you. I hear you. I am curious. When did you kind of figure out that your family life was not what conventional family life is meant to be like? Um. It it was kind of. Over the span of part of my junior high years, so seventh, eighth, and ninth grade, um, because that's when I moved from the city out to the suburbs. Oh. And at the time, many, many years ago, I was the only kid of color in my school. Okay. And, and so I, you know, I noticed all these kids that had new clothes all the time, nice haircut, and just always like smiling and I was like that's not my life but I I like what I see right mm. and so when I moved to a more suburban town and had this opportunity to be around other kids that quite quite frankly just led a completely different life than I did as a youth I was like man I want to know what that looks like I want to know what that feels like and you know even though I didn't know how to go about getting that because I didn't have that same family life, I could still watch and learn and mimic what these other kids were doing 
eventually to understand, you know, that, you know, we, we become the sum of the seven people we hang out the most. So I had to start obviously changing a lot of habits and, and negative behaviors that I was born into, if you will. Mm. And, and so, you know, again, to answer that question, just throughout my years of junior high, I realized that there was another opportunity in life. And uh, I wanted to change my stars, if you will, to become something even bigger and better. Yeah, no, because this is the thing. One, <clears throat> like I've worked in summer camps over in the United States, uh, worked for an organization called the Fresh Air Fund. Uh, okay. I basically, they take inner city kids and they put them out in, like in our section, there was one of five camps. Yeah, one of five camps on this big, like big nature reserve type like place. And the other it, the other half is sending them out to like, yeah, the countryside to experience nature and like the farms and everything like this. But one of the things I think what always blows inner city kids' minds is going out to the suburbs or something where it's just, okay, pace of life is considerably different. Uh, which city did you like which inner city did you move from uh to into the suburbs if you don't mind me asking yeah so i so i grew up literally here in the streets of salt lake city where we had the 2002 olympics ah. um and that's what makes my story even that much more impactful right is to go from growing up homeless and 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 that lifestyle on the streets of salt lake mm. to many years later going and making Olympic history and winning Olympic medal in the same town that I grew up homeless. Yeah. That must be interesting as well, because short, like did, like, did you have a sort of like full on sort of survival mode? Like therefore it took you a long time to sort of like, okay, okay. I need to be like this. I need to be like this all the time because I got to, yeah, next thing, next thing, next thing, next thing. And then you come to, Okay, in the suburbs or whatnot, how do I sort of turn that survival mode off to like being like, hey, a little bit more chilled? I might be jumping like ahead in your story. I hope I'm not, but yeah. Oh, no, we, we can we can jump all over the place. We're good. Mm. Um, you know, again, at, at, when I started realizing that there was something different than the day-to-day -day of you know, homelessness and drugs and, and gangs and, 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 and trouble with the law. Um, I was just like, man, that life looks way easier than what I'm dealing with. Right. And, and I mean, you know, I saw the worst of it, you know, my mom being beat because she ripped people off from doing bad drug deals, her overdosing on drugs, her attempted suicides, um, you know, the worst of the worst that you could possibly think of. And I was just like, man, obviously I don't like that, right? But I didn't as a kid, because I'm a young, young kid, you know, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, I didn't really know how to get out of that. And so, again, when I saw that there was something different, I just attached to it. And and I became what, what, I, what I do with, like, a lot of my clients is I help them understand it's important to become a student of life a student of business, a student of whatever it is that you want to accomplish and then reach out to, you know, people and, 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 and people that are successful and, and, and have done it 
And in my case, the only one that I really understood who to reach out to was my teachers and, and, and the coaches of the, of the athletics team. And, and I looked and turned to them for that guidance. And again, you know, throughout my whole life, that's, that's just what I've done. Um, even, even at my highest level in sports and business, I've always been a student of whatever it is that I'm trying to accomplish. And, and when we do that, then we're, we're able to incorporate the learning lessons and the tools into our life so that we can create on a, on a whole nother level. Right. And mm. I've never been, I've never been, and I never will be at any point in my life where like, I know it all. Right. And because again, what got me to where I am today is what's going to continue to get me to be successful tomorrow, a year from now, 10 years from now, when I retire, whatever that is. And as soon as I get to a spot or my opinion is as soon as anyone gets to a place where they think they've known it all and they don't have anything to learn, that's like the first step to, to losing and going backwards. Indeed. indeed. I, I'm curious, like when was like, when you like moved to the suburbs and like you're growing up, when did you have that taste of individual success, not dealing with sort of gang stuff or anything like this, like, but basically, yeah, just like, oh, that moment. Do yeah. So um, that was my eighth grade year um, because my seventh grade, sorry, it was actually my ninth grade year because my eighth grade year, I got kicked off the athletics team and the baseball team for, for mouthing off to the coaches. Um, so when over that summer, when I, you know, I, I got my stuff together, I got my grades raised so I could actually be on the team. And my first competition, I ran the hundred meter dash at, at another local school, held my breath the whole time during the run. So I'm like <laughs> holding my breath. But I, I won. Again. <laughs> <laughs> but right but i but i won my very first race i ever competed in mm. and when when the coaches and i you, the people are cheering in the crowd and your teammates are supporting you and high-fiving you that was my first opportunity of what it felt like to be a part of something bigger than myself to be a part of a winning team to experience what it feels like to win from the work that I put in. And again, once I had a taste of that, that literally just became the foundation and model of the rest of my life of everything I do. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Because like this is the thing, I can, I, it always sometimes boils down to either a series of things for people or there's a key defining epiphanal moment. And like having that sort of success uh, at that stage in life, because it some people might go, oh, that came a little bit late. I would say, no, I would disagree. I would say that came at more or less the right time, early enough, uh, so you weren't sort of trapped in some like sort of negative cycle, which let's just say, I'm sure there are friends who you used to run uh, the streets of Salt Lake City, which, um, you know what I mean? They're caught up in that life and haven't got out. Uh, and yeah, others who have, who may have had a, that, that epiphanal moment around about the same time, maybe a little bit earlier, maybe a little bit later. 
Well, you know, I mean, uh, you tell me. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, you know, it's it's uh, you know, for the sake of the conversation, right? We're making it sound like one day I woke up and decided to make a change, and the next thing I was at the Olympics. But you and I both know it's not how it works. No, you know, don't get me wrong. From seventh, eighth grade, ninth grade. And sometimes in high school and then sometimes even at university and sometimes even after that, I still had like times where I kind of fell back on old ways and made some poor decisions. But the difference is that I learned from those and I realized that those are things that are not going to those are things that don't serve me for what I want to accomplish in life. Right. Mm. And and back then, you know, I wanted to change my stars and set my, my family name in history and, and, and do something that no one ever expected. And, you know, the interesting thing right about that also, even right now in my space, is when I was that young kid, I even told myself, I want to be an executive of a big company, global company, right? And, and, and yeah, I wish that, I, again, I wish that would happen a long time ago, but I, I, it didn't come then because, like you said, everything comes when it is supposed to come. And, you know, now I have that opportunity. I, I, I have four companies, two global technology companies, but I couldn't do those without the work beforehand to be able to be in the space I'm in today to be at a high level and, and do what I do. Mm, yeah, no, like this is being, you're right. Yes, there are lots of steps for like change to happen. It's just like, you know what I mean? That sort of key, that lock key moment when it does come to be and like you know what i mean taking that next step so with this like after you've done the 100 meter dash uh sorry i have to do the, the 100 meter dash <laughs> like how the like athletics because you did the decathlon for a period of time would i be right in saying that yeah yeah so athletics bobsleigh athletics bobsleigh like look i i don't know if like in like, how can i say in the lofty streets of utah like there are like bobsleigh coaches just like waiting like waiting for like oh look by <laughs> athletic take him out like yeah get a hood pull over your head you wake up and you're like okay you're on the bobsleigh team how did it get to that because come on you know? No, that's such a great question. And, and and honestly, this is a great opportunity and a learning lesson in life, right? My my whole goal and my focus and my dreams and my desires and everything was to be a athletics champion at the Olympic Games in Sydney in 2000. And, and you know, I trained with the very best in the world, Dave Johnson, Dan O'Brien, Chris Huffins. Um, all the historic best decathletes in, in we call them Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner, whatever. I had surrounded myself with the very best so that I could win and be the very best. And prior to the 2000 Sydney Olympics, um, two weeks before the Olympic trials, I ended up blowing my ankle out at a competition. Mm. And that pretty much solidified that I wasn't going to make the team. I was ranked top five in the world. Um, everyone was like, he's going to make it. It's going to happen. Um, top three Americans. And, um, and then I blow my ankle out 
and I was extremely devastated. I could, I clearly remember, you know, we did it during a decathlon, just warming up. The long jump is the second event of the day, blow my ankle out. We go and like try and tape it up. I go and try and do the, the shot put. That's a hot mess. And then I go and try and do the high jump uh -oh. on the same ankle. And that, that was just absolutely a disaster. And I remember laying on the pits in the high jump after failing and realizing that my dreams are over with. It's raining, rains on my face, I'm tearing up. And I just remember grabbing all my gear and I walk up to my coach and I said, I'm done. Walked away, went home, felt sorry for myself for a little while. And, you know, fortunately, I, I've, I've just had this amazing blessing my whole life and met somebody who knew a bobsled driver. And they said, hey, do you, you should do the bobsled. You know, I'm like, the what? The Bob who? What is Bob? What is that? And they're like, oh, it's a bobsled. You've seen the movie Cool Runnings and the, the Olympics are here in Salt Lake City. And I'm like, uh, I, don't, I have no idea what you're talking about. So they literally show me part of the movie of Cool Runnings. And I kind of get a glimpse of, you know, the athletic talent it takes to push this. Go ahead. I've, I've got to ask. Which part of Cool Runnings did they show you? But like the only reason why I interrupt because there is a, there's one bit of Cool Runnings what come to mind when they're doing their introduction to Bob Slane. Yeah, no, they just started playing the movie, and then I ended up watching the whole thing because I was just like, like, there's comedy to it, right? Okay, so you weren't, I well, obviously you weren't put over, put off by yeah when they go oh when like you go yeah bones don't break. Hmm, they shatter. <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah, I mean, I, I just didn't, I didn't know, right? Like, like, I'm watching this Hollywood TV movie. Um, and then soon after that, they showed me a, a video of Team USA competing in St. Moritz, Switzerland. So actual real life footage. And that's where I really got an opportunity to see the athleticism it took to be like one of the very best in the sport of bobsled. And, you know, this was a year and three months before the Olympics here in Salt Lake City. And, you know, I, I get with my coaches and my family and I'm like, hey, should we do this? Like, you know, the, the chances of making it into a sport you've never done, especially at an Olympic level hmm. with only a year and three months, I knew I knew the hurdles and the uphill battle that we had against us, but at the same time, I had the passion and the goals and the dreams and the desire to be an Olympian. And that's what was really the driving force behind my pursuit of doing that. Yeah. And as as we sat there, we were like, hey, what if we could do this? What if we could write that story of the kid who grew up on the streets of Salt Lake City? and turned his life around to compete at the Olympics in Salt Lake City. We're like, that would be a great story that you could only make up reality, but we have an opportunity to actually create it and make it real. And why not me? Why not me? Why not you, right? Yeah. So we just we just took all the desires and the passions that we had for, for athletics and put it over into bobsled 
And of course, you know, a year, three months later, I make the Olympic team and win the first Olympic medal for the U.S. in 46 years. Yeah, I am curious, like, because of the disaster at the, like, for the Olympic tryouts for the decathlon, like, yes, like, okay, to, like, for someone to be like, yeah, okay, yeah, because, like, fuck it, I, I'm done, done dusted. Like, what was your physical and mental condition at the point where someone came up to you and yeah, you should do bobsleigh. What like was were you in optimum optimum condition or did you need to do a little bit of a rocky montage? So you know, after that disaster, uh, for about three months, um, I went into severe depression. Um, isolated myself and really stepped away from not just the sport of athletics, but stepped away from everyone in life. And so when I was approached with this opportunity, I was not in a very healthy space at all. Physically, I was still very, very fit, mm. um, but mentally I was pretty defeated. And so when, when I was presented with this opportunity, that's why I had to go to my coaches and my family and say, hey, what do you guys think about this, right? And, and, and again, it's like a perfect lesson in life that like just because we have goals and dreams of desires of doing one thing, doesn't mean when that opportunity goes away that we can't adapt and pivot and find another opportunity. You know, as well as I do, there are opportunities around us every single day. We just have to make that choice to take, take it on. Um, and so for me, again, I wasn't in a healthy space, but when we started having the discussion about being able to create this story, this monumental historic story of being a kid growing up homeless and then going to the Olympics, I was like, that's my story. I just knew it right away. I was like, that's it right there. And um, with with that, you know, I was just like, I, I have to do this. And so, you know, I had to kind of pull my head out of my ass, um, refocus, re-engage, and then become a student of the sport of bobsleigh because I didn't know anything about it, right? So <laughs> I had to go and watch the athletes when they were having, you know, all the other athletes from the UK, from Germany, Switzerland, everywhere here in Park City. And I just watched and I was a student of the, of the sport. And I asked the coaches, hey, how do you guys train for this? What makes a good bobsled driver? And then I just took all of the things that I knew how to do as an athlete in athletics and combined them with bobsleigh and just went for it 100 percent. I had nothing to lose at that point. Right nothing to lose and uh we said like let's just go for it you know what what would happen if we did mm. if we did make this work out and we're like that would be absolutely amazing and we're like well what would happen if you didn't make it well we at least tried right and, and that's what so many i mean i think the number is absolutely astronomical globally that 98 percent of people that have a goal and a dream whether it's business life or that fail to take actions because they don't they, they either think somebody else thinks it's dumb or they don't think they'll accomplish it and and i was i'm the other i'm completely opposite i'm like hey why not mm. you know why not let's just go for it yeah no because like this is the thing you say 98 percent. i would say you know what it's sort of 99.5 percent because like this is the thing you could tell if you could i no, you see it even on youtube 
freely available. This is what you need to do to become successful at X, Y, Z. And trust me, a lot of people will kind of background watch it, not really pay attention. The people who do pay attention and watch it, and like, you know what I mean? They're like, oh yeah, really absorbed by it. Out of that group of people, you might have five, and this could be like thousands of people. Five people will actually go ahead and start doing it. And then out of that five, you might get two or one who stick to it in the end. Because here's the thing. Everyone assumes, well, not everyone assumes, no one has the sort of staying power of patience to like sort of persist with it to the very end. Because it's a case of, I need it tomorrow. Uh, it's like, right. But anyone who's been an overnight success, anyone who's really done something great in their life, you sit down and go, right, how long have you been doing this? It's like, going, yeah, I have been doing this for X amount of years. And I told them, like, yeah, but, oh, yeah, Bill here, he did it in 15 months. But I go, yeah, but Bill was training to be a decathlon athlete at the Olympics. He was going at that standard for God knows how many frigging years, like a decade, maybe a little bit longer to get to that point. But no one looks at that. No one looks at the actual journey beforehand. They see the peak and they don't see the sort of journey after. Because one of the other things which a lot of people, and you've touched on this, is the sports person's curse. You you reach the top, you you go to the mountaintop, you see it and you've hit the pinnacle. And then the next day, after the celebrations, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like you overcame that once. Did you have the same thing when you got the silver medal or was it a case of you were aware so you knew how to deal with that better? Yeah, um, for me at the time, I was pretty aware, right? And, you know, once I once I had achieved that pinnacle, right away for me, I was, I was fortunate enough that during my university time, my, my, my uh, decathlon coach would always tell me, any fool can do it once. Mm. And I was, like, what? I was like, what? He's like, any fool can do it once. The true definition and architecture of a successful person, business, or athlete is how do you do something great once and then repeat it and then repeat it again. So I already knew, like, I'm like, okay, I just made the bobsled team. I just won a historic Olympic silver medal. It's very surreal. I'm like, wow, I've done it at home where I grew up homeless. And in my head, it was automatically, let's go do another one. Let's go get ready for you know, world championships next year, world championships a year after that, and then get ready for 2006 in Torino, right? And and again, I did that obviously three times. And then when I retired my third time after the Vancouver 2010 Olympics, that's when I really had pinnacle, a rock dropped from the top of the mountain and hit the ground. and And that set me because... Again, me taking accountability for that, I failed to plan what was going to happen after my retirement. And 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 that set me down a, a very negative path. And I don't want to jump forward 
depending on the questions you have, but it sent me on a negative, very deep, dark space for eight and a half years. Right. Mm, interesting. Eight and a half years. And like, this is the thing. Uh, okay. Because that does strike me as interesting because like, yes, having like a decade where you're like, going, this is where I'm at. And then you go, I didn't have a plan. And then eight and a half years to basically find your feet. Like, did it, did that surprise you it took that long? Or like it went, or were you like, did other people like go, uh, what on earth's going on with you? Like, yeah, I, I'm sure there were a whole lot of people. And, and when I, when I eventually came out of that and had clarity, um, it was like, wow, what happened? Right. And I'll be honest, like that eight and a half years went really, really fast, <laughs> but it was very, 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 very dark and miserable. And, and again, I told you before we even started, I'm, I'm very open and very vulnerable. And, and when I say dark and, and, and miserable, you know, alcoholism, addiction, isolation, suicide, um, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't manage any of my relationships, couldn't hold a job. And, and so, yeah, there were a lot of people from the outside in going, what in the f is happening with this dude? He should be on top of the world still. Mm. And, you know, it, it took what we could almost consider a miracle because I was on my last leg. And fortunately enough, I play in that space now, but it took another mentor that I didn't even know who he was or a coach that came to me and asked me a very, very key question that I had to reflect on and, and figure out, is that me? And that, that question was, do I lead a life by default or do I lead a life by design? And, and I reflected and, you know, I was like, okay, I isolate myself. I drink all the time. I, I, you know, take drugs whenever they're thrown at me. I don't have a healthy relationship with a partner. I don't have a healthy relationship with my kids. Nothing was going anywhere close to where I thought I should have been, right? And so it was clear that he was like, okay, do you lead a life by design or do you lead a life by default? Well, the answer is clear. I led a life 100% by default. I was miserable. I couldn't, nothing was going well. And he said, okay, well, if you lead a life by default, which most people do, it's not too late to declutter all the crap that you created because we have to take accountability for where we're at and stuff we create. Take all of that stuff and declutter it, declutter that architecture, so tear that architecture apart and come up with a new game plan and recreate your architecture of life by design. And that's what I started doing back in 2018 and fortunately enough, I'm in the place where I'm at now that my life right now is 100% by design. I have an absolutely amazing, amazing day and amazing opportunities that, that, that I get to experience and be a part of every single day, just like being on the show with you. Uh, why, thank you. I have absolutely. To, uh, I have to push back on you on one thing. Like, yeah. Okay, when you say, yeah, vulnerable, don't say it like that. It's not a negative thing. Because no. like, you're, like, speaking your truth. Like, yeah. you're showing, like, you're showing, like, courage and strength of character. And, like, this is the thing. Like, that's one of the things where I think a lot more people 
if they were truthfully honest with themselves, given them that time to reflect on what type of person they could be or what type of person they are. So it might help them on that reflection to become a better person. And yes, it's like strength of character and courage. And that's what you're de demonstrating here today. Like with regards to like, yeah, a default life, I call it cruise control, like life, living life on cruise control. It's easy. It's an easy life and time hyper accelerates by with like you blink, you blink twice and you're like going, where did five years go? You blink twice again and you're like, oh, where? It's, it's been a decade. And you see people's, uh, other people's lives where they have got a design, have got a plan, sort of take shape and form. And you kind of like people go, go, why can't I have that? Well, if you haven't sat down and done that sort of reflective side of things, like go, right, I need to get my house in order. Forget trying to build anything grand, forget trying to go on that epic scale. And like, yeah, getting out of that survival mindset because survival mindset is another thing which is also a problem I think many people suffer from because when you're in survival mode, you're not planning sort of two, three, five years, 10 years, a lifetime ahead. You're just like, this. I've made it through today. Fuck it. I've made it through this hour. I'm now looking at the next hour. And it's just like that constant, like, okay, hyper-acceleration where people just lose themselves in it and it's painful and you know what i mean eight years to like sort of find terra firma it's a people might go that's a long time but at least you found the footing because there's some people which never do you know yeah no you're 100 right there, there's a lot of people out there that never figured out right Mm. And, 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 and I appreciate you, uh, you know, commenting about the vulnerability because I say, I talk about vulnerability because it was a blessing for me and it continues to be an absolutely blessing for me mm. as, as a father, as a, uh, a, a, a near future husband, as a, uh, legacy coach, as a managing partner of my companies, the more vulnerable I've learned to become over life returns rewards greater than I could ever possibly even imagine. And, and it is a blessing, right? So the the ability to be vulnerable is a, a great, 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 great ability for everyone, right? And, and again, like you said, people might say, oh my gosh, eight and a half years is a long time. Yeah, it is a long time, but in the big scheme of things, it's not that long because some people do. We, we, we get in that vicious circle where we're just like right here, Right. And we don't see the big picture and we're just boom, smashing our heads against the wall, grinding every day and going like, why is it not working? Well, if you take a time out and take a step back, you'll see the big picture and, and you'll know why it's not working. And that way we can come back with a game plan and figure out a new path to go and in a new direction to go. You know, just before this call, I was on. Um, I'm part of a group called The Most Important Conversation, and we work with CEO Space International. Mm. And we talked about this, and 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 I, you know, we asked this guy, like, hey, when it comes to your business and your life, what is it that you need in your life and your business, and why don't you have it? And one guy's like, I need a million bucks. 
and he's given his reasons why. And, and I, we all just let him talk. And I, and I jumped in at the end. I said, why do you need a million bucks? He's like, oh, because this and this. I was like, well, here, let me help you get some clarity on this. If I gave you a million bucks today, what are you going to use it for? And is that going to accomplish deep down in your heart what you really need that million bucks for? And then when you use up that million bucks, are you going to need another million bucks? I said, the, the, what you really need is to go back to the drawing board and understand why you don't have a million bucks right now. And, and the reason why you don't have a million bucks right now is because you haven't put in the work prior for you to be in a position to fully engage and use that million bucks at the very best of your ability, right? And so my, my overall big picture for them was like, just take a time out right now. Like a lot of you are saying that your company, your business, and your life is not working because of excuse, 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 victim mentality, victim mentality, victim mentality. But all you need to do is stop for a minute, take a step back and look at the big picture. What are you currently doing in your life right now that's not working? And then how can you take accountability for that to make changes and reach out to people that can help you so that you can take that next step forward? to accomplishing having a million bucks or whatever it is that you want in life, right? So, um, so yeah, that's kind of just how I live my life day to day. <laughs> <laughs> ah, brilliant, brilliant. No, like this is the thing, like ah, people, like, people sometimes forget, like, yes, the work behind something is where all the lessons are. When you're gifted something, uh, like without actually earning it yeah it's a great gift at that present time but we seldomly value it and once that gift is used up it's a case of we don't know how, well we can't obtain that because we have not received those skills um like for example a lot of people were making a lot of money this time last year with all these nfts and crypto coins like you know what i mean just bs all the way like ah oh, i've made a hundred grand ah oh, made half a million ah oh, made a million and like they'll go yeah just off these coins and just off these like nfts now if you went okay make half a million now or make like sorry don't even let's not even go over half a million make a hundred dollars now from the internet or whatnot they would have no clue because they don't they didn't have the skill set and they got lucky uh, you know what i mean it ties into yeah doing it like doing it once yeah it's well, you can do it yeah, once, but even, come back again yeah even even a even a another example is people who win the lottery right, right. it's like how do you take somebody, and we can talk about that even with American football, right? How do you win the lottery of here in the States, we just had somebody win $1.3 billion. Now, if you've never had $1.3 billion, $500 million, $1 million, $100,000, you don't know how to manage that world. No, no. But it's a case of you have... Well, you don't know how to manage that well, but you don't have the skill set or the sort of infrastructure to like deal with that. Oh God. Even if it's being paid out, like you know what I mean, a chunk at a time, 
that flow of type of cash because thank God it will go quickly, very right? quickly. Yeah, I mean it's you know even you know you you, you saw that I do legacy coaching and, and a lot of my legacy coaching is is to help leaders figure out how to be great leaders so they can leave a legacy behind. And that includes how do you manage your money, right? Mm. Um, best example is some of my clients are professional athletes. And they're professional athletes that came from my background that, you know, we didn't have any money. We got, we got money from the government so we could survive. But then we go from that to like, oh, I just signed a multi-million dollar contract. Mm. So now I need to go buy the big chain and the big car and the big house and all that stuff. No, 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 no. Right. Because that's what they see on TV and they see the rappers doing all that stuff. But in the reality, like you, if you don't learn how to, if you don't acquire those tools in life mm. to truly be successful, how do you expect to be successful? You know, and I tell, I tell my athletes as well as my, my executive clients, if you never train or educate yourself at 100%, how are you gonna perform at 110% where records are broken and, and, and companies are created, right? You have to acquire these tools to be able to be in that place to thrive at the very top. Mm. Yeah, but like, this is the thing, you speak as a, like, you know what I mean, top of the food chain athlete, uh, like, you know what I mean, achieving Olympic gold and like, you know what I mean, like, <laughs> Failing at the decathlon, sorry to bring that up, but you were like, you know what I mean? Top five in the world, top three in the US. And yeah, start like starting your own businesses or you know what it is to live in the realm of discomfort at like, yeah, decathlon level. Yeah, bobsleigh level. Yeah, business level. And many people and in the realm of trying like to grow, to be a better person. Many people don't want to do that. It's like, um, oh yeah. Oh, you can like, you can go to heaven. Like, can I go to heaven without dying? I don't think so. <laughs> like, uh, you know what I mean? And you like with, without going through that realm of discomfort, like going to that hundred, like oh, frick, people just get into 80%, then, let alone a hundred percent getting that next level of discomfort to push them to that next level. There are many people what will say it. Everyone loves to say it. Yeah. How many people do it, you know? Right. No, it's you're you're absolutely right. And my whole life I've had like the naysayers. Oh, I could have done that. Oh, if I wanted to, I could have done that. Oh, I could have been an Olympian, Olympic silver medalist, a business <laughs> owner, successful coach. Well, if that's what you want to do, then then go do it and, and learn how to do it, right? I, you know, I, I have a lot of quotes that I create, obviously. Um, but I always tell my clients and, and whatever, for the listeners, whatever it is that you want to do in life, you can absolutely do it. I don't care what it is. I mean, I'm living proof. I was a kid who grew up with absolutely nothing, drug addicted parents, homelessness. Mm. And now I am a three-time Olympian, Olympic silver medalist, successful business and sports coach, successful in technology business, so on and so on. So, but it's because I put my, my, you know, my intentions towards what I wanted to do. And, and I was willing to go out and get educated and learn from other people so that I could be in this space, you know, and I, and I tell people all the time, 
you know, we, we hear that saying that practice makes perfect, but you don't need to be perfect to win, right? The, the, the key to that is that you have to put the work in. Mm. And you don't have to be perfect to be the very best. You just have to put the work in. Yeah, no, but if you want to be, uh, say, a successful coach of any team, all, like, all you need is a win rate of, say, 55 to 60%, and you'll right. have a championship ring at the end of the day. Perfection is the, like, is the ally of procrastination because it has to be perfect so I can do this. It has to be perfect so I can do that. Until that perfect moment which <laughs> it's pretty much like a unicorn i don't know about you now i haven't seen that many unicorns running around the english countryside they might be all in utah I, I mean, <laughs> but, but yeah waiting on that unicorn i think uh, i could wait like i could be waiting from now until doomsday <laughs> you know, oh my god right. unicorn yeah, yeah. no hey if, if you see a unicorn call me right away because I want to, I got to experience it. Like, you know what? I, I've, again, I've had so many amazing blessings in my life and, and I've been at the very top several times. What I, what I can say about that is every time I've been to the very top of the food chain yeah. and whether I was the best in the world or the best in the business or whatever it was, it wasn't perfect. It was close, mm. but it wasn't perfect. And it still produced phenomenal results, right? And again, that's why I have that quote, practice makes perfect, but you don't need to be perfect to win. Mm, I see. So being at the top uh, like of two different sports, right? Was it the same feeling and vibe or was it different? It was different. Yeah, uh, it's it was very different because as when I was in athletics, right, I was still striving for that perfection mm -hmm. to be able to be at the Olympic Games and be at the top of the world and have that recognition and be known as the very best, right? And at that point in time, um, I still had um, – <laughs> I still was, um, oh, what's the word I want to come up with? I still had the potential, which means I haven't done shit yet, right? <laughs> but I still had the potential to be great. And, and thankfully, you know, when I had the, the, um, the destruction of my athletics career, thankfully I, I, I was willing to be open enough to see other opportunities that life gives us, right? And Again, I have another saying, with opportunity knocks, at least open the door and see what that is. You don't have to walk through, but give it a, give it a chance, right? And so, so I gave the sport of bobsleigh a chance, and it worked out phenomenally, right? And, and so, again, we never know where our life is going to take us sometimes. If you would have asked me in high school and college that I was going to be a three-time Olympian in bobsled, Olympic silver medalist, a coach, uh, tech, technology partner in business, I would have told you you're absolutely crazy mm. because my goal was to go to the Olympics in track and field. And then after that, I was going to go into the medical device selling world. Huh. So 
I do nothing that I thought I was going to do back in the day. But what I was willing to do along the way is be open to ideas and be open to the opportunities that the universe delivers us. Mm. Would you say with regards to like how you see life possibly, it's a case of, okay, you may have certain fixed points in life. And you're like, you go, I want to do X, Y, and Z, but I'm quite malleable to if that doesn't happen, there is, I, I can go this way because, well, the final destination is the final destination, say. But how we get there, yeah, like some people go, it's going to be in a straight line. Well, it doesn't really normally happen that way. Like, no. so, like, it's a case of, yeah. Do you sort of like, oh, this is the mark I want to hit, but if I don't hit that marker, there'll be a new marker for me to get there. So what is even success? Yeah, 100%. So again, when I got involved with the world of coaching, when I met the coach, it asked me if I lead a life by design or by default. Mm. Uh, one of the other one of the other lesson learning lessons that I had to learn was creating my pillars of focus in life. Um, so as an Olympian, as Olympic champion, I was getting people like, oh, you should be involved with this. You should be involved with this and you should do this. And of course I was extremely attracted to that. So I was doing and trying, trying to do all these things. Um, but at the foundation of who I was as a person, they weren't things that like really truly served me. I was just like, oh, I can do this and hopefully make a lot of money and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and like the most, most of our population, I was scatterbrained and all over. I became the master of none, right? So, so I had to create my pillars, my pillars of focus. And for me, that was first and foremost, um, being a person of service to others. And, and that included taking my life story and sharing it with other people to help them out. And then, you know, and, and honestly, that one pillar of focus is what has led to where I'm at now because, um, both of the both of the technology companies, uh, Metrics Engine and Ovation VOS, I was a consultant helping support the executive team on just their mindset. How do you keep them healthy mentally, physically, and all that stuff? Which eventually they asked me to be a managing partner, which is great. Um, as a speaker, right? I share my story very intimately for those who are dealing with adversity in their life, in hopes to, that they gather something from my story to help change their life for the better. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and it's, I think it's imperative that people really truly figure out what are the things that you want to do in life that serve first and foremost, you, it's like when you get on a plane, they say, Hey, if the plane goes down, put the oxygen on yourself first so that you can then have the capacity to help other people. Right. And I'm, I'm super fortunate that I'm in a place right now that, I know that I'm going to be good. I mean, you can see this board behind me. These are speaking events. These are podcasts I'm doing. These are businesses that I'm working on. Um, and these are businesses that I'm looking to work with, right? So I have a very solid game plan and it's detailed and it's in my face mm -hmm. so that I stay on track and I don't get derailed by other things. And one of the most important things that I've learned from my mentors was the power of learning how to say no. And I, it's interesting enough, I was sitting with one of my business partners because um, they're both 
getting ready to literally skyrocket. I mean, we're having conversations with the NFL, um, the biggest banks in the world, the biggest human resources. Um, it, it's going really well. So I have one of my partners who's 22, mm -hmm. very smart, but he's never had an opportunity to hear me on the phone with potential partners of our company. And yesterday he had that opportunity and I'm talking to, um, you know, a connection that uh, is going to connect me to the Prince of Saudi Arabia, a guy who does all the business in all of Canada, another group of people that do and control all the business in South America. And I get off the phone and he's like, what was that? And I said, that was me doing what I help you learn how to do on a daily, daily basis. And it's cre again, creating your pillars of focus coming up with a game plan and finding people to surround yourself that are willing to support what you do and are passionate about it and not like the naysayers. Cause how many people you hear all the time? Oh, you can't do that. Nah, don't do that. Blah, blah, blah. Right. So I surround myself with like massively influential people that have a goal and a dream and they're willing to be similar to me and come from a place of service to help me out and they also give me an opportunity to help them. And we then create this amazing circle of beautifully amazing people that just want to not only create, but also help other people create. Mm, yeah, no, interesting. Uh, do you like that? Do you like that? Because, yeah, 22, 22 years old. Like, yeah, you're coming into, you come, you're an adult. But you kind of still don't know jack shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, go, oh, I know it all. Do you? Uh, fast forward 10 years, you go, I didn't know shit for shit. Right. Uh, but yeah, I am like, I am curious. Now, this is the thing you've experienced, like, you've experienced teams like all through your time. And now you've coached teams as well what are the sort of ingredients which make a team hum would you say um just kind of like what we're talking about they, they first have to be into a space where they know that they don't know what they don't know and they have to realize they don't quite know shit yet because what what one person brings to the table might be a game changer for everyone right and mm -hmm. Um, you look at teams out there that, and again, it doesn't matter if it's business, sports, whatever, the, 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 the most highly functioned teams understand that they have a specific role in that architecture, right? And they're willing to step up when they need to step up and they're willing to sit back when it's time for them to sit back. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, cogs, right? We all are a different size. We have a different color. We have a different shape and sound, but we work together to create something much bigger for not only ourselves, but for the team as a whole. I mean, we'll talk about, throw it out there, basketball, American basketball, LA Lakers. They got some of the very, very best players in the world and they have had in the world on their team but why are they getting beat by teams who have not the same level of athletes? Right. And, and that's because there's guys on those teams that are willing to just realize that they have a specific role to play. And it's not just about them. Mm. It's not just about you. Right. 
No, I agree. No, because like over here, uh, <laughs> uh, the richest and biggest club at this present time uh, in football uh, is Man City. Yeah. Sorry. Disgustful bitter taste came into my mouth. Not jealousy. <laughs> but still, I don't know. Uh, they recently uh, signed a player called Erling Harlinger. Uh, he is like, like he is smashing goal scoring records left, right, and center. Look, the guy, but the guy is like, if he spends the next five, five to ten years in the country, he will go down as, like, in my mind, as the best striker who ever played the game in the Premiership. Mm. Can but, you say that one more time for our football fans? Yeah, no, Bill. No, you're a mean person, Bill. You're a mean person. I, I see it now. I see it now. <laughs> yeah, you're like, um, yeah, you got, yeah, yeah. You see, any coach is a bit of a sick sadist. <laughs> like, like, oh, yeah, I say nothing. But like, this is the thing. The weird thing is, like, when it was last season when they didn't have him, the team seemed to play better on certain occasions because look don't get me wrong now if i was on the justice league right uh okay i'm going around yeah beating up criminals here left right and center big battle i've got i've got big blue on my side superman like yeah flying around i'm gonna be a little bit more slack than when like i know superman's not gonna bail my ass out if you know what i mean (laughs) And I think there is that sort of element of that. Don't know. They are going to more than likely come second this time around uh, in the league. But it is it is a weird sort of thing I sometimes see in team dynamics. Like, even though it's an element what makes the team better in some regards, it doesn't. Have you seen that on any occasion? Or, like, is that, like, like no, part of the parcel of the course, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. Again, the success principles of life apply to every aspect of life. Again, sports business, right? And and going along the lines with what you're saying, right? You have an athlete who's could very well be historically the best athlete in history. But when we talk about the best athlete in history, you know, that soccer player, LeBron James, whatever. Mm. What we really also have to consider when we say or put somebody at that at that level is what did that athlete or what did that executive or what did that coach or what did that best friend relationship partner bring to the table outside of scoring goals, making money, Mm. so on and so on? Because like you said, if I'm on the Justice League and I've got big blue or big green on my side, I might just kind of sit back a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. And there's there's the issue is an effective leader, someone that we're taking from being a leader to help them leave a legacy, there's more to being a leader than just scoring points and beating up aliens and making all the money. You have to also be able to step in any space and have such a positive impact that you rise the tide of the people around you, right? 
So even when you are not on the field, even when you're not in the office, even when you're not present, you your energy and the impact that you have on the people around you still encourage them and inspires and motivates them to continue to rise the tide. And, and, and I feel like, and I'll say this because whatever, I think like the LA Lakers, that's part of the problem, right? They're like, we got LeBron James. Mm-hmm. So we can just sit back and be part of this, you know, we just ride the ride, right? Yeah. And, 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 and it's sad because yeah, he's a phenomenal athlete, but I don't see the impact of him rising the tide of the athletes around him. Right. And, and that's the big difference. And so when we talk about the, the best athlete in the world, and we'll just utilize that there has, there has to be more than just how many points they score and how many goals they score. Right. To be the very, very best means that you're the close to the very best in everything you do. And more importantly, the impact that you have. Mm. Yeah. Because like sticking with the basketball theme and like, this is the thing because you're saying LeBron and like, look, like, let's just say, yeah, he's good and all, but like, yeah, it's, it's always going to be about MJ. <laughs> it's like, okay. And like, no doubt you have, I take it you have seen the last dance. If you haven't, you are no type of sports person. You definitely get out. Get out. We're out. We're done. Okay. Uh, I can't believe I wasted so much time. <laughs> and like this is the thing. The reason why I bring up the last dance, because okay, yes, Michael Jordan, I'd say, is that type of character who is that rising tide to help raise all the ships. But Watching that documentary was very interesting because there is a fine line from like leadership, like great leadership to like, yeah, toxic and overbearing. And (laughs) you know what I mean? It was like, it was kind of all over the place where I was like, yeah, that's good leadership, but oh my, what on earth are you doing? Like, by all means, they'll look like players are like, we got the rings, like, back up. Walking that fine line, like, have like trying to navigate that, what would you say to someone like, okay, you're, you're all good on this side, but maybe not this side. How would you say to someone to, like, oh, you know what, check yourself before you, like, don't, not wreck yourself before you wreck everyone else? to try keeping up to that standard, you know? Yeah, no, it's, and, and, and uh, I'm fortunate enough, I actually get to have a lot of these conversations all the time, mm-hmm. uh, more specifically with, with people, um, with executives I get to work with, right? Because you, you get to this place where you're, you're, you've got to the top of your pillar, you've created this great company, you've got several employees, you're doing great business, but the culture within your company is 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 tainted, if you will, right? Mm. And and so again, you know, understanding the architecture of a successful company, again, like any successful team, is when you have somebody, and it's kind of like why I do what I do, right? I've I've had great experiences. I've fallen on my face several times. I've achieved at the highest level, and for me to truly feel like I've been successful. 
it is my job, I feel, as a human being to then help give back to others and, and not be like, oh, me, 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 me. Oh, I'm a three-time Olympian. I'm a, you know, I own companies, blah, blah, blah. Because at the end of the day, that that leads that leads to a low a, a road of loneliness, mm. hands down, and it's no fun being at the top by yourself at all. And as a leader, again, it should be part of your DNA to then help teach other people how to be successful like you were. And it's again, it's not just about the money. It's not how big of a company you are. It's who are you as a human being? Yeah. Right. And so a lot of times when I get to sit down with athletes and executives, I'll ask them, what is your end? What is what is the end of the what is the end game for you? What does it look like? And and I let them tell me what their end game is. And I'll be like, well, that, you know, that doesn't, you know, what you're saying and what you're doing, they're not in alignment at all. Mm. So we need to go back to the drawing board. And I've had this conversation multiple times over the years to help people understand the importance of being a good human being first and foremost, because that'll help you get past the next hurdle in life, the next hurdle in your business, the next hurdle in sports, yeah. right? Because as human beings, it's in our DNA by the man above to serve one another and help each other out. And when we do that and incorporate it into our life, the, the returns that come to you without any effort are absolutely amazing. And, and I get to live that life every single day. I hear you. I hear you. Because like, this is the thing. Like, it, it's kind of two sort of different games. Because when you talk about, like, say, a sports star or anything like this, like, it's a fine, like, it's going to be a finite game because a career will come to an end, like, a lot sooner than, okay, executive and when it comes to executive now that's more of an infinite game if you get what i mean because year on year the company should be there if it's doing well and uh, like the only time the like game stops is if bankruptcy and the boat the business fails but if they are big enough and they are like strong enough it just can go on forever and ever and ever and ever and trying to keep that team fresh around you is a very difficult task um but then like i and I, the reason why i keep jumping because it kind of in my mind it's like one thing here and it's one thing there because the team what gets you through like a sporting career is going to be a considerably different team which will take you through like into your like whatever your retirement stage is going to be or whatever that might like shape whatever form that might be, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, you, you, and, and there's obviously, you're right about a lot of that stuff. And yeah, the 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 team, the company will go on. Hmm. But do you want to leave a legacy behind so that your legacy is part of that team and the team success so that they can continue on? Or are you going to be the guy or the girl that when you're done, everyone's everyone's happy that you're gone? <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah. He. Yes. He grew the company, and we all have jobs and all that stuff. But we are so glad that person's gone and not here anymore. Mm. Or is it? Or do you want that conversation to be like, oh my gosh, 
he grew this company, she grew this company, it's a great company, and we're so sad that you're leaving because you've been such an inspiration to my life that I strive to be better every single day, right? And so those are conversations that are, are hard conversations that I get to have with, with people and even including myself. I got to check in every day. What do you want to do today? What kind of legacy do you want to create today, oh, right? That's going to be one of my next questions. <laughs> like basically, we've, we've been speaking, we've been talking about legacy, but like, yeah, for yourself, like where would you like this journey to take you? What type of legacy and markers would you like to leave along the way? Yeah, I mean, and it's a great question. And and my answer is kind of what we just talked about. You know, whether, you know, with both of, with both of my companies, with my consulting business, with the Olympics, um, with my family, when I'm not here, I want them to miss what I brought to the table. Right. And, and I, and I don't want them to be having the conversation. Oh, so glad that that's over with, you know, I want them to be like, you know what? He was a great, I don't even like to use the word boss. Cause I am not the boss of anyone. I am a team player to other people. And some of them may report to me, but I want them to have conversations when I'm not there when I'm not present, when I'm not in the meeting, when I'm not with the company, when I'm not with the family, that that conversation is positive and I've had a positive impact on their life. Mm. And I'm, I've, I've been a role model and open, again, vulnerable enough to share my life story to help those people find sometimes peace, sometimes success, sometimes just a path for them to go that they never knew that they had that opportunity, right? Interesting. I like that. I like that. Like, yeah, put it this way. People, like some people might go, yeah, being a three-time Olympian, getting a silver medal. Yeah, that is quite a legacy right there. But Bill, I, I fear you might be in a, a little bit greedy. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, it's, it's you know, interesting enough, my, my fiance and I were just having this conversation, again, because everything is going so well in our life. Mm. And I'm like, I just want to start giving back. And, and helping other people and, and, you know, helping people that are in that deep, dark space in some cases, right? How do they overcome that? How do we help them out? How do we serve humanity to be the very best that they can be? Because that's only going to help us out too, right? Mm -hmm. The more I serve, the better I get because I learn. Excellent. Now, we've come to that point where I, I have to reveal I, I am a being, a modest being of supreme cosmic power. And yeah, I can grant you one perfect day in your life. What would that perfect day be? So it's a, it's a great, great question. And my, my answer to you is, and, and this has been a long time coming, right? And um, I literally got off the phone call of a meeting the other day and just started breaking into tears. And, and my fiance is like, what's wrong? And I'm like, well, that's the, that's, that's the interesting thing is there's nothing wrong. 
I live a life by design 100% day in and day out right now. And I've now had a taste of what that looks like. And for me right now, every single day is a perfect day. But even if I have something that is difficult or chaotic that, that pops up, I know that I am equipped with the tools, resources, and people to address that at the very best of my ability. I don't make excuses. I don't have the victim mentality. I take accountability for all my actions and sometimes actions that are not even mine. Because when I, when I take accountability for something that I would say happened bad to me, that gives me a, a, a perspective of like, okay, how would I handle that differently, right? And, and then I can make that change in my life. Every day is 100% up to me. And, and when I came to the realization that every day is 100% up to me, that's when I started living a life 100% by design. And I have a perfect life and a perfect day every day. Like when I get off the phone with you, I've got another, I got an executive that I'm going to jump on the call with in, in Budapest to help them with they, what they got going on. I'm jumping on a call soon after that with a, a doctor who wants me to join in and help them with a big project here. And then after that, I'm jumping on another call with uh, a big international group that, that addresses uh, depression and suicide. So constantly I get an opportunity to serve on a regular basis and my service to others is what helps me do the things that I get to do day in and day out. So I have no complaints. My my motto for 2023 is my life doesn't suck. Ah. <laughs> uh, and Bill, I say your life doesn't suck. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, Bill, Bill, I have to say thank you for coming on today. It has been a pleasure, a joy, a delight to have you here today. Uh, <laughs> can you tell the lovely people how they can find you out on these interwebs? Yeah, honestly, the best way to uh, find me, um, I'm working on my new website, but it's already up. Um, it's called theolympianspeaks.com. Uh, I'm on almost every social media platform. Uh, link. If you're reaching out to me professionally, I prefer that shoot me an email or connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, but uh, I'm also on Facebook, where I spend a lot of time, not too much time, but, um, and uh, yeah, you know, I... And if I can leave everyone with with one of my other quotes, um, you know, this this goes back to the 98 percent of people that fail to take action on their lives. But um, the quote goes like this. Dreams are only dreams until we take the actions to ignite them. So what actions are you willing to take today to change your tomorrow? Ah, brilliant. Brilliant. Uh like, yes, I'll put all the, everything into the show notes, into the description so you can find Bill here. Maybe not on Facebook. He doesn't seem too keen on that. <laughs> ah, Facebook. <laughs> ah, Daniel. But yeah, I'd like to say thank you once again to Bill uh, for coming on today. Awesome. And yes, I'd like to say thank you to you, my friends, my life warriors, for sticking with us to the end of the show. Please stay well, stay safe, be awesome, be excellent, be fantastic, be all the positive bees you can be in this world, and then some. Have a great day, guys. Yes. Peace. Ah, yeah. And we 